Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Ethicast. I'm your host, Bill Coffin, and our guest today is ethics and compliance expert, Adam Balfour. Adam is vice president and general counsel for corporate compliance for Bridgestone Americas in Nashville, Tennessee. He also chairs Bridgestone's global compliance group meetings. Adam is a prolific writer and speaker who has authored numerous articles on ethics and compliance. And earlier this year, he captivated the Global Ethics Summit audience with his insights. Now he has published his first book, Ethics and Compliance for Humans, which is an insightful call for organizations to design and implement human-centric ethics and compliance programs that employees will find to be relatable, relevant, engaging, and useful. We're gonna talk about that today. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. I'm really, really looking forward to our conversation. So I'm always excited to speak with fellow authors because writing a book is no small thing. Uh, it lives in your head for a while, and usually it's about something that's been in your head for even longer than that. So can you talk about what inspired you to write Ethics and Compliance for Humans, and what was the writing process like for this? Yeah, no, great, great question. I think that that captures a lot of my experience. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to write a book. Um, and then a few years ago, I, I started just posting a couple of little compliance tips on, on LinkedIn. And, and after a few weeks of this, I actually got some feedback from people of, you know, I like your Sunday morning compliance tips. And I never really planned for it to be like a Sunday morning, but that was just, you know, I get up early before the family's awake, have a cup of coffee, just kind of write and post on them. And so that kind of took uh, took place over a few years. And then I, I got in touch with uh, Sarah Haddon um, at uh, Corporate Compliance Insights. Uh, and it was actually Sarah who was the, the publisher with CCI Press. And so she'd been sharing my, my tips for the last few years with their readers. And it was about last December, we, we had a conversation of, I wanna write a book. Like I've had this vision building. Um, it's taken years to kind of bring, bring the vision together and the ideas. Um, but then actually writing it was pretty quick because I had kind of the idea, the thoughts in play. So I had a few extra vacation days um, and, and sat down and, and wrote most of the first draft in just a couple of days, but certainly had been in my head for, for, for a long, long time. Now you make a number of insightful points about how there are real people involved in ethics and compliance decision-making uh, and how we tend to overlook everyday folks in favor of our fixation on CEOs and other top executives. So my question to you is, how can ethics and compliance professionals best get their various stakeholders to focus on the people who form the base of the ethics ecosystem, especially within large global organizations? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's really kind of one of the key points, I think, from the book is we've got to really take a, a people-centric approach to our, our, our programs. And so one of the things I like to think about is, you know, we're trying to help our organizations with their compliance programs but, but organizations, they're simply legal entities, right? We've created this structure, this idea. Um, and so it's really, you know, whether there's going to be liability or issues for the organization, it's not the organization or the entity acting by itself. It's really the people within that organization or who are acting on behalf of it. They're the ones who their behavior or their acts or maybe their omissions, that's what's going to determine whether or not there's compliance. And so I think that's one of the reasons we've really got to think about how we, we approach people in our programs. You know, one way to do that is when you're performing like a risk assessment, it's not simply identifying the risks and then jumping to, okay, what are the standards and controls and policies, but really thinking about who are the people within your organization that can mitigate, manage, or amplify risks and really engaging them. What do they need? What help? What support? What guidance? That's what I think makes such a, a huge uh, impact and it makes it much more effective and much more efficient. And I think you're right about, you know, CEOs, C-suite members, you know, individually, they are much more significant in terms of influence than most employees. 
But, but then, you know, you see examples, and one of them I cover in the book is about Wells Fargo from a few years ago, yeah. where it wasn't one or two individuals, it's thousands of people who are caught up in this. And so how do we connect with those people at all levels of the organization to really help them and make sure they know that compliance is not just about avoiding fines, it's there to help them and help them do their job properly. Now, as you read through the book, it becomes pretty clear that you're sort of a natural born storyteller. Um, and I love how in this book, you mentioned that, um, you know, the power of storytelling can really help to engage people on matters of ethics and compliance, as well as to make subject matter more memorable. And throughout the book, you mentioned some really great uh, pop culture examples to kind of make your point. There's a great section in the back about kind of ethical questions based on examples from Star Wars, which I, you know, as a geek, I completely love. <laughs> so I guess my question to you is, what's the most recent book, show, or movie that really resonates with you at, with a, as an ethics officer? Difficulty, not Ted Lasso. Oh, this this is this is a really hard question, um, and and so I will say one of the it's it's I, I do love you know looking at pop culture movies TV shows. The downside to it though is I feel like I can't really watch a TV or, or a TV show or movie without thinking okay what are the compliance lessons from this. Um, but my wife Michelle and I, as I mentioned in the book we've got four young kids uh, all eight and under so don't have a huge amount of time to watch TV shows or movies. But, but this summer we probably watched uh, the movie Encanto probably about six or so times. Um, I actually thought that movie had a couple of great points. So there's the the song I think is pretty famous from the movie. You know, we don't talk about Bruno and, and, and Bruno is not the character that we all think he is at the beginning. But I do think a lot of organizations have their own Brunos who are not talked about enough, who they are problematic. They are issues. And instead of just saying, like, we're not going to talk about Bruno, let's start having that conversation. Let's bring that up and be much more direct about it. Um, the other lesson I thought from that movie was great was uh, there's this song about, you know, surface pressure. And there's two concerns I have with any organization across any industry. It's pressure. What pressures are people under? The amount of pressure, the duration and isolated decision making. And so I thought that was kind of a great lesson as well, just to connect with people. What you may see on the surface is not what's going on kind of underneath for them. Um, and so I think that's a great one. Um, the other one I'd, I'd mentioned very briefly, um, believe it or not, this is worth a whole separate discussion, which we won't have here. I actually only saw the Terminator movie for the first time this summer, which is, I think is shocking, right? But, but one of the things, when I know, right, that's terrible. Uh, but one of the things I thought was so shocking about that is, right, Arnold Schwarzenegger is such a, you know, leading uh, character in that story that says less than 100 words in the entire movie. And so I think that's something we've got to think about with our, our leadership in organizations that they don't have to say a lot of words, but they can still have a huge influence and impact on organizations and the people around them, the pressures, their acts, what they're doing. So, so many different things you can see from uh, from different movies and TV shows. I love it. I love it. Uh, now, you make a compelling case in your book for the concept of the chief purpose officer uh, as a function of you know, that could really unify things like ESG, DEI, and ethics and compliance. So how can organizations harness the power of purpose as a way that serves both to unify their own policies and programs, as well as reaching people on the human and individual level without losing something in translation? Yeah, no, I, I, it is it's an idea that I've been thinking about for a while, and I feel like some other people have been talking about this idea of a chief purpose officer. And, and so I think when you look at a lot of organizations and you look at their mission statements or their, their purpose statements, they're talking about integrity, they're talking about respect, innovation, communication, but those are just words, right? And so I think it's like, how do you define something that is unique to your organization? Why does your organization exist? 
And so I do call out um, various examples in the book. I think probably the, the most famous example we've seen within recent years is Patagonia's obsession with their purpose. I don't think they have a separate standalone chief purpose officer, but I think purpose really drives what they do. And, and one of the things I think this can really help within your organization is I think when you've got a purpose statement that is, is genuine, it reflects what the real purpose of your organization is. And in very human terms, I think that enables your organization to operate much more efficiently and faster. Um, you know, you can make decisions, you know, you can use that to, to assess, does this advance our, our purpose? Um, it also, I think, helps people determine what are your priorities? Um, and then also, I think in terms of engagement, if your employees feel, can they connect to the purpose of the organization? So I think it does bring together so many different areas within the organization, but I think it really gives you that, that clear direction um, that, that organizations really need to have to, to support the, the higher expectations they have today. Outstanding. Well, Adam, it is a real pleasure to speak with you. It's been a real pleasure to read your book. And I just want to thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your insights with us today. Thank you so much, Bill. It's my, my, my pleasure. Ethics and Compliance for Humans is available now, both in paperback and for the Kindle at Amazon.com. It's a terrific read and belongs on your Ethics and Compliance bookshelf. Be sure to order your copy today. I'm Bill Coffin, and this has been The Ethicast. For more episodes, please visit the Ethisphere YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ethisphere. And if this is your first time enjoying the show, please make sure to like and subscribe either on YouTube or on our podcasting platforms at Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, remember, strong ethics is good business.